Welcome to the Humor in Games podcast, an analog and video games podcast about how humor is experienced, designed, and analyzed in games. We are Scott DeYoung, Mark Lajeunesse, and Andre Zanescu, and we'll be your guides in this six-episode series. Throughout each episode, we'll break down different theories and forms of humor. We'll draw on interviews with designers, critics, and academics as they discuss the different aspects of humor, their own lived experiences, and how their work utilizes humor in games. In this first episode, we look at the stakes of humor in games. Why does humor matter? Who gets to laugh and how? What's behind statements like, it's just a joke or it's just a game? At a fundamental level, humor in games has unique characteristics because on the one hand, it needs to work in a playable medium, the game, but on the other hand, it also functions in a way that is similar to other media, like film, television, or even stand-up comedy. So the starting point might be to ask, what does humor offer for the joke makers, listeners, and those who are the butt of the joke? We turn to Dr. Dan Staines, a lecturer at the Wentworth Institute in the University of New South Wales in Australia. Humor is coercive in a lot of ways. Humor can be used to delineate in-groups and out-groups, and it's always, always served that function. So, for example, I mean, if you look at sort of the history of the Cold War, for example, one of the things that defines American propaganda during that period is that they had this way of characterizing the Soviets and the East Germans as humorless. And so you know, humor became this kind of delineating, politically motivated sort of in-group identity thing. And it's always been like that. It's actually the power of humor to get people to do things. is actually a little bit scary. And it's one of the reasons why when people say things like, oh, it's just a joke. It doesn't matter that it's just a joke. It's bullshit. That, that humor is extremely powerful. So if Dr. Stain's statement holds that humor delineates in-groups and out-groups, we should recognize that humor is modeled after the lives and experiences of those groups and how they interact. Of course, that brings up another question, whether or not all humor is political, or is it just humor? Dr. Kashona Gray, author of Intersectional Tech and professor at the University of Illinois in Chicago, discusses what those kind of terms even mean. That's one of those things where you have to, you have to have people like define the terms, right? So when you hear people say like, you know, oh, I'm not going to engage in, in politics, what they're really saying is that they're not going to engage in like any kind of conversation around like race or any kind of conversation around like gender. That's really the extent of what people, you know, like may like define as like political or, you know, people might also think that you mean like, you know, political politics or we're not talking about the president or, you know, like the government structure. So it's not political. Like people really think that people don't realize there's a message in everything. And I think that that's one of the important lessons that I always want to like impart, like for my students. I'm like, there are even like, I, and I had them do like, even like the simple activity of thinking about what's the ideology that's like it, it, present in all these things. And she's not alone in reflecting on the intersection of humor and politics. Dr. Staines shares a similar thought. I mean, I think, I wouldn't say the humor is inherently political, but I think it very obviously is political in a lot of ways. And like I said, uh, I think that humor serves a very obvious function as creating in-groups and out-groups. And I think you'll see that in games like League of Legends, games like Dota 2, where you have these very toxic communities that seem to be driven in part by the kind of humor that they partake in. Like, if you like this kind of humor, this kind of sort of, you know, racist kind of quasi-ironic humor, then you're part of the in-group. And if you don't, then obviously you're just, you're just a, a cuck or whatever you know they want to call you this week and so what you find with those communities too is that they've sort of they've done studies on you know how humor kind of permits people 
to say things that they wouldn't ordinarily say because when you say things humorously right you can always just go oh it's just a joke you know so you don't need to take me seriously and so on and so forth and so what that does is that little by little it sort of moves the the boundaries of what is acceptable to say the more you accept these kind of sort of racist quasi-ironic jokes the more genuinely racist and less ironic they become over time so you get this sort of self-perpetuating cycle and i think that's basically what's happening in communities like that it's why they're so almost irredeemably toxic is because uh you know they they all started out being like lol just jokes but you know given a couple of years now they're just genuinely racist Building from this, Dietrich Squinkifer, or Squinky for short, a new media artist, game maker, and former academic, discusses why we should keep asking these kinds of questions. I think there are, like, there are politics inherent in um, all kinds of humor. Like, um, the questions to ask are kind of like, who is the target of this humor and what is being ridiculed? Um, who is in on the joke? Who is left out? Um, so, like... Questions like that are very relevant. So it quickly becomes almost impossible to detangle politics from humor. We should think about why some folks laugh at certain humor, but not others. What are the intersections between specific cultural groups and certain kinds of humor? We turn again to Dr. Gray. The cultural disconnect that a lot of populations have, like with humor, right? So if we, you know, if we just look specifically between like black and white, there are, meaning black people, white people, black, black culture, white culture. There are, th these are, there are parallel universes, right? That are like different ways of like engaging with comedy and humor. And, you know, what one group of folks find funny is not the same as like what other folks like find funny, right? The idea that people vary in what they find funny asks us to think about the subject position of the joke maker and its listeners. So we need to consider how the contexts that shape our individual identities, such as where we were born or what communities we grew up in, impact our interpretations of a joke. Expanding on this, Ida Toft, a game developer and media artist at Concordia University in Montreal, discusses the complexities that can shape art, games, and humor. I think humor is really tied to who you are and, and your subject position in, in society. So there's a difference between, you know, as a white woman, you're very much in between a couple of things. So you're not, you know, you really have to manage this, your position, basically which is that you both have a lot of privilege that can marginalize other people, but you're also marginalized a lot yourself. Um, I'm not a white woman. I'm like, I'm a queer person. So that adds to that. I think when we did the contact this project, we didn't have that awareness. We were just like, you know, prioritize us because this is radical. And, um, and I, I know we did a, an interview about it in which it we didn't really address like trans issues in the best possible way. And that's so that's something I have been, you know, learning about to to pay attention to people who are marginalized um, alongside me and how to be respectful to that. Our experiences that shape how we interpret humor are deeply connected to who we are as individuals. Dr. Kashona Gray emphasizes this challenge by discussing how difficult it can be to disconnect someone's identity from a gameplay experience or the humor that comes up during play. Kind of like that. I think I think some comedian, it might have been Kevin Hart, that had that like like laugh in my pain. I think that was the name of like one of his one of his shows that um, I think were, maybe where he sold out like Madison Square Garden. I'm not sure, but 
but laughing my pain like that's that's like the thing that I can think about whenever I think about uh, humor in games, you know, because as me as a black person, as a black woman, you know, I can't when I go to the game, I don't turn myself off. I can't do that. You know, and yeah. I know that was that was like a time where like, you know, like the the tech utopia world and, you know, like the cyber feminist world, and, you know, the Sadie Plant and Donna Haraway world. They're like, oh, we can go online and we can be whoever we want. No, 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 we can't. No, no, we can't. We, we can't. And we don't want to. We don't want to. Black people do not want to just like take off who they are. We don't want to take off our blackness. I don't want to take off my womanhood. I don't want to take off those kinds of things because this is who I am. Um, and so I know some people can't go to the game and they can, uh, you know, they can adopt this other persona. They can become, you know, whoever they want to be in, in, in this other world. But not all, all of us can and not all of us like want to. Right. So I'm engaging with the games as 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 a person, like, like how I engage in the games, is like how I engage like in, in like the real world. Dr. Gray references Donna Haraway and Sadie Plant to discuss the idea that our online identities can be malleable. They can change. I can go into a video game and play any identity that the game allows. However, we have to remember that our lives do not stop when we go online. The internet is still tied to our offline lives. When we go online, we bring our experiences, memories, and traumas with us. This is why jokes online can't be neutral. No one lives a neutral life, and in fact what often passes as neutral is a homogenized kind of white male middle class humor that asks people from marginalized ethnicities and races to set aside their hurt, forget the past, and to once again smile with the joke makers. Something that, as we just heard, is a fantasy. Clearly humor is political and deeply tied to individual identities. Those identities can be segmented in all sorts of ways. For example, we can talk about things like communities, gender expression, ethnicity, and religion as expressions of identities and politics, and importantly, we should. Once we think about all those factors, it becomes a lot clearer that humor can have different functions for different people. It becomes important to think about what some of these functions might be. Osama Dorius, a lead designer at Warner Brothers Games Montreal, discusses how larger productions might use humor in games. It's, it's actually, if you have the same tone throughout, uh, you're not doing your game, uh, you're not uh, like doing the, the uh, uh, doing anyone any favors. Because basically, uh, if everything is dark, then nothing is dark. That just becomes your new normal. So humor not only gives you relief from the, the tone, but it, it's a kind of a palate cleanser that allows players to, to um, you know, to re-engage with the original intended tone of the game. Uh, I, I could give an example from a movie that you might have seen. Have you ever watched Terminator Salvation? Yeah. Okay, so in Terminator Salvation, uh, I'm not going to speak to the movie a lot, but I'll give it as an example. Um, the there was no there was no joy in that movie. Everything was dark. Everyone was sad all, uh, uh, all the time. The entire movie, everyone had a frowny face. Nobody was laughing. There was no movement of um, of, of of a break from that grim dark. And because of that. What ends up happening is, um, for me at least, from my point of view, I got I felt disconnected with the, the characters. I didn't want them to, I didn't really care so much if they survived or not because their life was miserable, you know, throughout. Yeah. So even if they survive this one encounter, they're going to go back to their miserable lives. So you need to, to have some kind of contrast. You need to be like, you know what, times are tough, but look, I just, you know, had a watermelon and threw the peel at your face and we shared a laugh. This is a fun moment. Life is worth living. <laughs> you know, let's uh, like let's laugh about this and then fight off the alien invading horde so that we have a chance to throw more water, you know, watermelon peels at each other or whatever it is. Like that, that it's, it's a little bit of a break, a palate cleanser. It allows you to re-engage with 
the intended tone to begin with. So you just have to be careful because if you overdo it, then you know, you, uh, like it, depending on the the creative direction, if you overdo it, then that becomes your new tone and not the the break from the tone. So it's a, it's it's like a balancing act, right? Osama's not alone in thinking about the helpful qualities of humor when used well. Dr. Gray discusses the value of humor for community relief. No way to like to um, untangle like just how the the cathartic healing nature of like comedy and humor like for black people like that that's one of the the ways that we communicate and i think that's also something that's like very important whereas like somebody might be like okay their comedy is like part of their job and they're just like um you know they build they build up their set and they build up you know like all these things but that might be distinct like from who they are right i'm, yeah. I'm thinking about um uh, we were watching uh, Dave, Lil Dicky. He has like a show, right? And he was talking about like his rap persona was totally different from like who he was. Black folks are not able to like untangle like these things from like like who they actually are, which is why, you know, whenever we hear like comedians speaking, it's so real and so visceral, you know, it, it like lets us know like who they actually are and what their values and ideologies are, right? So like Dave Chappelle, like a person who's, you know, he's got some, you know, uh, complex and problematic like ideologies, you know, when it comes to like a lot of things, especially, you know, his homophobia, his transphobia, you know, and things like that, you know, but that is like who he is, you know, he could have easily like, you know, just, you know, untangled himself from that and just gave us like humor, but a lot of black comedians are not able to do that or they choose like not to do that, right? In this manner, humor is a reprieve from serious discussions for some, and for others, it might be intimately tied to these discourses. Edith Toff sees humor in a slightly different way as a driving force. And I think that humor is very energizing. And in that way, I think it's important for survival. You know, I think that often the one role that humor plays in my work is that it energizes me to continue. And when you're doing, you know, social justice work or political work, I think having that energizer is really important um, to not, you know, burn out. The way that humor has functioned in political struggles and and activism in many different contexts um, is, is uh, I think that's, that's maybe a, a place to look. Humor as a healing, cathartic force for resistance is definitely an important function and one that largely focuses on the in-group. Who are we? What are our struggles? What's funny to us? But humor isn't just a positive force, and sometimes it can be aggressive or humiliating or hurtful. That negative aspect can be used for good or ill. Dr. Staines discusses some of the harms humor can bring. Games are just a medium through which humor is conveyed, and all humor has the potential to be hurtful, absolutely. I mean, I think people who say that, you know, oh, it's just a joke, you, you can't take a joke, have never really had a really nasty joke directed at them. Yeah, absolutely. Humor can hurt. Accepting that humor can be wielded like a weapon means understanding how it can work as a political intervention. Dr. Brendan Keough, a games researcher, critic, indie developer, and lecturer at Queensland University of Technology, discusses a rather particular game jam that incorporated humor. Punching Nazis jam, which I look now, the actual title was Jam Pissed Into Nazi Spaces, which is funny as well. But yeah, like you don't want to make a game that just makes Nazism funny or that makes the Holocaust funny or something like that, right? Like, that's obviously horrendous and not politically useful in terms of the clear explicit political alignment of that game jam whereas going back to i guess what i was saying before is using humor to humiliate these these people that need to be deplatformed effectively that need to like people like um again sorry i'm not going to say their names because screw them but like these these 
quite popular within the ultra-right. People who have built up that authority, just like humiliating them is a valuable political project, I think. Especially, I think like that's what the ultra-right really benefits from in the internet age is a lack of literacy amongst every generation, I think, in terms of like identifying who actually has the, should have the authority to speak on certain subjects on like social media or on YouTube or whatever. And like, and I, God, I'm just glad that like YouTube didn't exist when I was like a 15 year old, because I would absolutely be some alt-right dickhead now. Um, like just, because you're 15, you're a dude, you haven't even encountered simple ideas like privilege yet. And you're like, yeah, why isn't there an international men's day? And then if like YouTube existed and I just Googled this and found some well-dressed dude in his basement talking about alt-right stuff, it would, it would make total sense. I'd be like, yeah, this guy's right. And like, and then all the, or you even go find a feminism video on YouTube and all the algorithms would just suggest video, like just 10 other basement Nazis saying why that video was stupid. Like you can't watch feminist frequency without having 10 terrible alt-right misogynist videos immediately autoplay afterwards telling you why feminist frequency is bad. Like it's shocking. And so there's a real problem with the internet today or with culture today where um, people from political leanings that in previous generations were easily sidelined by the mainstream as not worth listening to um, now have a platform and are easy to listen to. And so the act of humiliating those people, I think, I would like to think contributes to countering that. Um, so that's where the humor is valuable as a political project in that sense. Um, whether it works or whether a little itch jam for making these tiny games really contributes to that, it, um, is it like the, the real impact of that is debatable. But I think it's still valuable either way as the fastest, if nothing else, to kind of yeah, do that. This means we need to be careful in how humor is being used. While Dr. Keo emphasized humorous games as a way to humiliate the alt-right, Dr. Gray expands on this by framing humor as a form of resistance, where it can be used to punch up and fight back. So, you know, in that, the earlier work that I did, you know, I talked about, you know, the, the intersecting oppressions. I talked about the, the, the heaviness of racism and sexism and homophobia, you know, all these transphobia, all these things that, you know, these, these women were experiencing, like, in, in the gaming space, but also, like, in their physical world. And I never really talked about, like, you know, despite all that, they stay in this gaming space. And I never really talked about why, you know? I never really talked about, you know, how they had developed these beautiful communities of support and, and you know, collective coping, you know, dealing with, like, you know, like, collective and, like, individual kind of, like, trauma and, like, how they, how they relied on each other, like, in that space. You know, and that's, like, the question that I often get. The people are like, well, if these spaces are so bad, then why don't you just leave? Why don't you just go? I'm like, well, because we're, that's not why we're there, right? And so, and I think that's, and I'm hoping that's what I was able to do, like, with intersectional tech to say, okay, we've got these technologies, like, what are we doing with them? Like, we do, like, a lot of dope-ass things, like, with these technology. Black and brown women do a lot of, like, amazing things, like, with these technologies. So, but some of the stories that, you know, like, that got left out, like, in those early days, um, you know, um, so, so one of the things that I think, you know, I, I think it might be my contribution to, like, what to your, your podcast would be. Um, that the humor is found in the community. The humor is not found in the games for so many black and brown women, right? You know, because, you know, for the most part, these games are not made for us, right? For the yeah. most part, you know, they're playing these games and they never see uh, faces of people that look like them, right? And if they do see themselves, let's say, for instance, let's say a game like, you know, Grand Theft Auto, when they see themselves, they see themselves as like as sex workers, right? 
which is not bad. You know, a lot of the women like engage with the sex workers. A lot of the women, of course, were intentional about not not creating like additional harms to like these sex workers, right? You know, they're like, you know, we're not going to exploit them. You know, we refuse to like, you know, just use them as, you know, to get our health back up and like abuse them and harm them and, you know, subject them to like all this violence. So they were intentional about like when black and brown women were present in the games that there was always like this ethics of care like around like making sure that they're taken care of, even though they were just characters, right? So things have gotten very complicated very fast. It might be the case that games have almost faded into the rearview mirror when we're talking about the issues that intersect politics and humor. To help reorient us towards games, let's take a moment to discuss humor and game design. Of course, even thinking about game design prospectively brings up questions about how to even design something for someone else. Ida Toff discusses this need to design differently. How do you design for people who are different than yourself? Can you do? Can you do? Um, can you design games for other people? Can you design over differences? Right? Mm. Can we assume that that um, that 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 I'm making something that is interesting for you? I'm making so many assumptions about what is funny for you, or what is pleasurable, or what is play for you. Game development is tied to challenges of proper representation within humor and video game design. We need to be asking how game content and humor is structured right now. As games continue to improve their inclusion of diverse bodies, Dr. Gray reminds us of the impact that increased representation can have when these marginalized bodies are brought into the context of a game space. You know, we we have I've been part of like the generation that has asked for more diverse games, right? You know, behind the charge of like Tanya to pass, you know, supporting, you know, her work with the I need diverse games, you know, and and you know, supporting, you know, you know, black game black girl gamers and you know, making sure that there's more inclusivity and more visibility like for black women in the games. One of the things that we have to contend with is like, okay, what is happening when black women are made visible in a game? I was playing Call of Duty, I was playing Warzone, and I unlocked the character Sid. Do you know Sid? The, the black woman that's just, she's one of the playable characters, right? It's one of the things that, you know, black and brown women have been asking, you know, for instance, like, can we have more more black women and not, not just ambiguous women, right? You know, you can give us like that ambiguous brown woman that, you know, she's like the everybody's woman, right? You know, so yeah. so Puerto Rican women can connect to her, biracial women can connect to her, South Asian women can connect to her. You know, you have all these populations and that that's fine right you know we're not upset at that you know we realize that you know we often won't have like our cultures like represented right so you know shout outs to like overwatch for for instance for you know featuring like all these brown women right you know there's there's a, a variety of brown women so you know always you know give props to overwatch like for that um but whenever i was playing like call of duty i got really excited i was like oh my gosh i get to play a black woman like i think for like the first time like ever like with, with this call with this call of duty and then Oh my gosh, it's, 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 it's really hard to say. I had to also accept the fact that there were going to be extreme levels of violence yeah. brought down on her body. There was like a moment where she was, oh gosh, like an RPG like hit her and then her body was just, and then I had to like look at her for a second, you know, like there was like a cutscene of where she was just like dead in her body. And I was like, and, and I felt bad. So this is like a weird thing, right? Like, I felt bad. I'm like, you know, here I've been, what have I actually been asking for? What have we collectively been asking for? Because the nature of like these games is like so violent. And so we're, we're really asking for more, more bodies, more of our bodies, uh, because, think, you know, black women experience like, you know, disproportionate amounts of like violence anyway. And then here we are wanting them to be inside this gaming space and subjecting them to like even more violence. I don't, I don't place it anymore. 
I refuse yeah. to play Steve anymore. I play the white dudes in the game. I'm like, and here I am. Like, this is like a total, total 360, right? You know, I'm like here and, and like it's, and, and I have, there's, I have no humor lens on this. I'm like, at all, there's nothing funny about this. My mom laughing, but it really made me reach like a point where I was just like, like sad for gaming. I'm like, you know, we really have like, you know, because of like all like the violence it just i think that that violence was like just made real when i saw it being done to like to this black woman in this game and i just i didn't want to be i didn't want to do that anymore i didn't want to be a part of it now that's not saying like i I don't devalue like white men's lives i'm like you know i'd rather just see the white guys get shot but that's something that like we're used to right (laughs) you know we're used to that you know because they have always been present in like all these games especially like in these military shooters you know this is like the body that we we've been seeing and even like in the movies that we watch you know that's the, that's like the thing so i was like you know what i'm going to let them just let white men have this narrative i'm not going to complain ever again cuz i don't want any more women of color being like a part of this um I, and i so so i think but but there was like a moment where we were like laughing i remember we were in a game and we were all playing as like black women and then we were like and we, at the point, we're like, man, fuck this. We ain't doing this no more. We don't want to see her being killed. You know, we didn't want to. I'm so sorry. I'm cursing, too. I'm so sorry. That's no, fine. So sorry don't worry about, about it. Um, <laughs> so there was really like a point where we were like, we, we can't do this. But that also illustrated like the point of why diversity is so necessary. You know, we're like, why can't we do like have some amazing fantasy adventure where of where, you know, the violence like isn't there, you know? It might seem strange to think of Call of Duty as a humorous game, but a lot of funny content comes from the ragdoll physics and the reactions of players. The inclusion of racialized bodies in the game, where humor depends on enacting violence onto others, brings us back to the idea that humor affects different people in contextually dependent ways. To be clear, Dr. Gray speaks about her visceral reaction to a game that is not usually taken seriously. Call of Duty is a game where people often laugh because of this over-the-top action and violence, except for in this instance, the humorous content brings up hurtful realities which are on display in broadcast media every day. We as video game consumers, critics, and academics need to reflect on whether we believe that humor derived from violence can ever be separated from the gendered and racially fraught history that forms the bedrock of these jokes. We certainly don't think these can be separated. Clearly, although Call of Duty can be funny, it's not just a joke. Humor is political. It's rooted in cultures, communities, lived experiences, and how we see ourselves and each other. Humor can be used to heal, decompress, and to cope with traumatic realities. It can also be used to fight back, to ridicule, to deplatform, or humiliate. It's always messy, and sometimes it can be used to cross gaps between folks. In games, humor seems more like a phenomenon that crosses through genres and mechanics and pops up everywhere. So the question going forward is how exactly does humor get built into video games and how do players experience it? I want to give a special thanks to our collaborators for this episode. Dr. Kashona Gray, Dr. Dan Staines, Dietrich Sunkefer, Dr. Brendan Keogh, Edith Toft, and Osama Dorius. Next time, we are going to look at how older forms of comedy, such as stand-up or comic books, are applied to the use of humor in games. See you then!